Okay, hang around stargazers. That's the title of today's message, and I've been very excited to share this with you. Weston and I were actually texting uh, about stuff, and he's like, man, you should actually preach that. And so here it is, Weston. Hang around stargazers. What's a stargazer? Does anybody know? Somebody who looks at the stars. Have you ever been with that friend at night when you're just sitting and you like forgot that there was even stars out there and they're like, oh, that's the Orion's belt. Can you see it? You're like, no, I cannot. <laughs> right? And suddenly, suddenly you look, you, you're up looking at the stars. Um, can you give me something to drink? Maybe a matcha heavy whip. <laughs> but for real, I'm thirsty. Um, and you're sitting with that friend and then you're looking up and suddenly you're looking at the stars that you were paying no attention to before that. We all need those people in our lives and we need to become those people in our lives. We've broken up, you know, the spiritual gifts into a bunch of uh, different categories, right? Well, this person's apostolic and, and it's true. But the problem is as believers, every single one of us, should be, uh, there should be a sense of stargazing in us. We should be big thinkers. No matter what your personality type is, we should be adventurous because we get a new DNA from heaven. You hear what I'm saying? Don't just say, oh, that's not my personality type. I'm an introvert. Well, be an exploring introvert. Be a stargazing introvert. Thank you so much, Megs. Uh, I was teasing Megs because at work there's a competition between Megs and Monica on who can make me the best matcha each day. And they keep forcing me to have to choose between one or the other. And I was like, why would I do that? Because I get two now every day. <laughs> then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. This is what God wants to do for each and every person here. This is what it means to have a heavenly father who creates universes. We forget this sometimes, right? Uh, when we were on vacation now, uh, Peyton Manning, who I don't even know what team he plays for. Apparently, he's a big deal. He was there where we were, and Kevin Hart was there. And I was sitting watching Peyton Manning throw the football with his kid or kids. I don't know if he has multiple. There was a lot of kids there. And I was sitting and I was like, I wonder what it's like to have a father who's a famous football star. You know, like, do people question him? And I have to use a different example because Kip doesn't like me mentioning him in my sermons anymore. So we'll talk about Peyton. <laughs> now think if Peyton Manning was your father what would you know about football a lot who would you have access to a bunch of people all of these things now I want you to stop put Peyton aside and think about God we forget that our heavenly father is the creator of the universe the one who can do anything and everything. And we are so small-minded as a whole, as people. We are so negative. 
We are so, our dreams are so small. And we forget that if your father was Bill Gates or your father was uh, the Amazon guy, what's his name? Wouldn't you be thinking bigger about what you could do in the world? Yes? What about having the almighty God as your father? Why are we thinking so small? And this is how God rolls. He tells Abram he's going to have a child, but then he takes him out and says, no, no, don't just think about one baby, which is impossible. Look at these stars. Start counting them because this is what it's going to be like. God doesn't just want to do small things. Now, this is relative depending when we're in our life. You know, big for Joshi in his life right now is different to big for me in my life, but it's still the same. It's still this thinking bigger of what God wants to do. Now, don't just think finances and houses and all of these things. God's heartbeat has always been to impact the world. And some of that takes houses and some of that takes finances. But God wants to birth something. You see, this wasn't just about giving Abram a baby. What was this about? This was about changing the world. He's always been part of changing the world. He's always been looking for people who would trust him to change the world. Did Joseph change the world? Joseph saved the world. He was an olden day superhero. He saved the world from starvation because of what happened with his dreams and following um, his interpretation of dreams and following on that. Now, remember this. When it comes to stargazing, your friendships affect your sight. This isn't a New Year's resolution. This is something we have to implement in our life. Your friends will propel you or your friends will bring you down. Now, don't hear me say get rid of all your negative friends. Get rid of all those people that are taking you down because then there's no one to help them. What I'm saying is you have to be aware of this principle so that you can walk it out correctly. When Paul's writing, he's not saying that we must avoid all people. That's what his conclusion is when he says avoid this and avoid that. He's like, no, because then we couldn't even be in the world. But say you have to be aware of these things. Your friendships affect your sight for good and for bad. Have you ever watched those compilation videos on YouTube, people doing stupid things? And you're like, somebody talked that guy into that. <laughs> like his friends were like, that's a great idea. And then they did it. It's like, no, that was not a good idea. And then there's other videos of incredible things. And you know that this person has had friends that was speaking into them, inspiring them. Your friendships affect your sight. Okay. Take an assessment of your friends. Listen to this, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. What do you call that? Influence. You hang around wise people. You are going to become wise. But you hang around fools and you will suffer harm. It doesn't say anything about who you are in that. It just says who you are around. And this is a principle both in psychology, in scripture, in application. And this is so important because some people have been trying so hard to change, but they never change their friends. And so they just stay in the same place. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Away from me, listen to this, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. What is he saying? 
with all these people who are breaking God's commands, is bringing me down. Do you see that? Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. In the same way, good company can improve morals. This, this goes both ways, not just evil or good. This, this is happening in both ways. Take an assessment of your friends, the people in your life. Now listen to this. The first major study on the breadth of social influence was conducted by Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler. They were doing some studies on the heart and heart health and all of that. And what they found, this was this phenomenal thing that you are influenced not only by your friends, but by your friends' friends and your friends' friends' friends. Ever heard that you're influenced by the five people closest to you? Their study was saying it's actually much bigger than that. We've watched the effects of this on social media. The world is the craziest it's ever been, is it not? And social media is such a massive influence on people. When you see, well, this person like this or this person's part of that, it starts to affect who you are. According to their results, if a friend of yours becomes obese, you yourself are 45% more likely to gain weight over the next two to four years. Okay, that's why I'm friends with Kip. Good news for me, bad news for him. More surprisingly, however, Christakis and Fowler found if a friend of your friend becomes obese, the likelihood of you gaining weight increases about 20%. Now, this isn't about your weight, but this is so important. Even if you were skinny before, you've got almost a 50% chance of becoming obese. Why? Who knows why? If your friend becomes obese. What do you think it is? You eat with them. Good. What else? You, you, you accept that as normal, yes? What else? You start hearing their excuses and you start believing it, right? And you also your mind is being renewed back to whatever this might be. You hear what I'm saying? This is such a powerful uh, concept because you can apply this to everything in your life. Now, this isn't a sermon about getting skinny. This is a sermon about looking up to the stars and letting your mind expand once again. And so many of us are surrounded by people who will not look up off the ground. And it has been closing our mind. It has been pulling us down. And it has been stopping us from being who God created us to be. I'm going to continue to show you in Scripture the proof with the life of Joshua. They found if your friend smokes, you're 61% more likely to be a smoker. 29% if your friend's friend, and then your friend's friend's friend, 11%. So when you're choosing friends, you need to ask them for their whole friend tree. <laughs> Do you have any friends that smoke? Now listen to this. People who are surrounded by many happy people and those who are central in the network are more likely to become happy in the future. You surround yourself by happy people and you will become happy. You surround yourself by negative people and what's going to happen? 
you are going to become negative. The influence is only going one way or another. A friend who lives within a mile of someone who becomes happy is now 25% chance of becoming more happy just because of that. But move away from that friend and your happiness goes down. Isn't this incredible? Now, this is what Proverbs is saying. They're just studying out what Scripture has said for, you know, a lot longer than they've done their studies. But I just want to show you from a different light an example of how important it is the friends that you keep. Have you ever noticed some of the bravest people have brave friends? What I can tell you is they didn't just choose brave friends. Sometimes they did. But there's been an influence to do something like that. Have you ever cliff jumped? Anybody? Anybody cliff jump and you weren't going to cliff jump? You didn't want to. Okay. Which means there was someone else in that group who influenced you. It was probably Jason. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. We have done things that have caused us to pick up our brave level or whatever it is to step out because of the influence of those around us. We can't choose our circumstances, but we can choose our friends. And I know this is an age-old saying, but I'm telling you, it is affecting our lives more than what you realize. Why I said to Tama when I'm preaching today, listen, because I'm talking about you. How many other people have stepped out, left everything to go travel the world in his circles? Somewhere along the line, he met somebody, right? who spoke about something, who mentioned something, and it ignited a thought, an idea, a dream. But then he had the courage to step out and be more than just the average normal lives that we are living. Now, greatness is relative once again. But I'm going to prove it to you when I ask you to do a little exercise. How many people around us are just doing nothing? Just average, normal, nothing. I was laughing at uh, Josh Pickles, uh, you know, claim of greatness driving up Pikes Peak. I climbed Pikes Peak with my car. <laughs> but even that is more than what most people are doing. Most people aren't doing anything. And I have to remind you that God did not put us on the earth to just exist. God put us on the earth to save the world. We watched uh, uh, Wonder Woman last night, 1984. Wasn't sure how that was going to go. It was great. But we watched these superheroes that literally get up and save the world. You know why it ignites us? Who loves superhero movies? We all get jazzed because there's something in us that knows that we have been made for something like this. You want to hear about a superhero? How about the Good Samaritan? It doesn't matter if someone who flew in and saved you or came in on a donkey. What matters is that you got saved. And all of us have the power to do that. But we're so busy looking at the ground that we forget that God is calling us to look at the stars of what our future is. That is a bright future. And it can all look different. But it's the, it's the matter of fact of having to push past the hurts, the disappointments, and all of these things to realize that we have been called to be stargazers. It's not just for a few dreamers out there. It's for every person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. You with me? 
You are not the average of the five people you surround yourself with. It's much bigger. You're the average of all the people you surround yourself with. So look around and make sure you're in the right surroundings. Write down what you want to be, what you want to achieve, what you want to accomplish. I was doing this exercise with Steph. I said, Steph, write out all the goals that you want for this year. And she wrote them out. And I said, those are lovely, but you can achieve all of those on your own. Now write the things that you can't achieve by yourself. And she said, to be married by the end of the year. No, I'm joking. She did it. <laughs> it's just a joke. Relax. Okay. Who knows that Moses pulled his tent out of the camp of everybody else and set up his tent afar from everyone else? Do you know that Moses did that? What you may not know is Joshua went with him. Why was Joshua so different when him and Caleb went in? Here's why. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He wouldn't even leave that tent. Joshua was thinking about, talking about, dreaming about a very different conversation that was going on in the rest of the camp. While they were murmuring and complaining, Joshua was meeting with God face to face with Moses. And it's no mistake why Joshua was called upon to lead the people into the promised land. And why he looked at giants and said, we can take them when everybody else said we can't. Why? Because they were negatively, it was a cesspool. Sometimes you have to pull yourself out, not to abandon people. We are saviors. We have the savior inside of us. We many saviors. We can't abandon people. But you can't help somebody when you are drowning yourself. It's like people who have been rescued from, from alcohol. It's probably not the best idea to be back in the, in the clubs the next week witnessing to people. Make sure you are standing strong first before you go to try help somebody else. Has anyone done lifeguard training uh, pool in a pool? Right? One of the things that they tell you is even though you're a strong swimmer, when someone is in panic mode, You've got to get them on their back when you're taking them out. Otherwise, they can hit you, kick you, or drag you down yourself. We have to be careful not to allow others to pull us down while we are trying to help them. That sounds counter Jesus, but that's exactly what Jesus did. How did he do it? He withdrew. He renewed. He restored. He refilled so that he had something to give People, how do you know you've been affected by this world? When you are no longer stargazing. When you no longer have the hope and belief that God wants to do something great in your life and through your life. You're just going from day to day. You're just hoping to survive. You're just hoping to get through. For those who just wanted to get through Corona, bad news. There's a new one. 
Darn, now we have to survive another. No, you've got to take your eyes off of Corona and say, I don't care if there's 10 variations. That's not where I'm looking. I'm looking at the stars of the God who said he would lead my life. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days that I live. You hear what I'm saying? We've got to change our focus and what we're looking at in order to walk where God wants to take us. I don't know if this video is going to play. Let's see. It is. Wonderful. An age-old story. The farmer one day found an eaglet's egg, and he picked it up and, and took it over to the hen house and put it under one of his hens. And when all the eggs were hatched, the little eagle was hatched with all the other little chickens. And of course, immediately the mother hen begins to rear her chicks as she often does. And the little eagle was treated exactly the same. And as he continued to grow, he assumed he was just a part of the family. He was another chicken among chickens. And so he began to learn the things that all little chickens learned to go around the barnyard and peck for worms. And, and then when it came to flying, learned to fly maybe a few feet first at very awkward, and then he got pretty good at flying only a few feet at a time. And this is the way he continued to live, just following the, the role of all the other chickens. And then one day, when he was much older, he looked up in the sky and he saw a beautiful, majestic bird riding on the, on the winds. And he turned to one of his friends and he said, who is that? Or what is that? His friend said, oh, he said, that's, that's an eagle. They're birds of the sky. He said, we're chickens, and we're birds of the ground. After the old eagle heard his friend tell him that that was a bird of the sky and he was a bird of the ground, there was a part of him that had been caught in that moment of seeing that bird in the sky that ignited a longing in himself to fly a few feet, to eat worms, the worms had never satisfied his hunger, and the flying never seemed to be enough. And he suddenly realized that he was facing a decision in his life. And that decision really was, do I continue to go on with life as I've always lived it, or do I do whatever it takes to fly like that bird? And so he began to ponder that, and he made a decision. He would rather try to fly like that bird than to simply accept the way he had been living. And so that's the decision he made, to fly. And his life was changed forever. We grew up with that story. I've told that story, I've preached that story, I've heard that story so many times, but there's another variation to that story. And the eagle never flies. The other variation is that the eagle never breaks out of its mindset of it being a chicken. Now, it's such an easy concept, but we don't realize we, have, we are being bombarded all the time in our minds and our hearts to not be what God has called us to be. Satan's plan for your life to stop you from ever receiving salvation. When he fails in that, his second plan is to make you a useless person on this planet and you can be rich and useless you can be famous and useless 
you can have talent and be useless because you forget what you were created for and how much good God wants to do. Now listen to this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more what we might ask or think. We have to have a reset here at church, especially after 2020. We have to have a, a reset on what we believe is possible. What we believe God wants to do through us. Why do we discount ourselves that God wants to use us when he's told us he wants to use us? And yes, it looks different for each person. Do you know that Mother Teresa changed the face of the world in the way she served through kindness, grace, and love? Do you know that? She, she reset what was possible what people thought weren't possible, the way to love and be kind, she reset that. And there are so many people doing these things, but we have to change our gaze and make sure that we don't forget to pull people up, but that we are being pulled up at the same time. Amen? At school, the friends you choose. I've told you the story that uh, they said I couldn't take computer science at school. They said I was too dumb because I was failing math, right? But I had this friend, Dylan, probably still today, the smartest guy I've ever known. He was a genius. He was a genius on the computer. And I would spend time with him and time with him and time with him and time with him. And I begged them to let me take computer science. And at the end of the year, I still had an E for math and an A plus for computer science, which is all math. They couldn't understand it. The influence of what I believed was possible because I watched Dylan doing it all the time. What have you stopped believing is possible for God in your life? I'm telling you, what we started praying earlier about opening up our heart, some things have forced us to, to close our hearts, to close certain areas of our hearts. We're just trying to make it. We're just trying to survive because the news is the it's so dark all the time. And because of Corona, everybody consumed more news than ever before. And we've forgotten to look up to the stars of the God who wants to do infinitely more than you could ask or imagine. I was watching a video this morning of people in their 90s doing great things. Uh, one lady, she's got the, the Guinness Book of Records for being the oldest yoga instructor. You must see her. You can tell she's super old. And she's bending and, and doing all of these things. And another guy's a 100-meter track star. A, a woman in Russia, uh, she's, I think she was 95. And uh, they're interviewing her, and she's got a bandage on her hand. And they're like, how did you get that? And she's like, a, a wolf came into my village, and I killed it with this axe. The thing bitter, chopped that thing. 95. And I remember when I went to Aspen, how it redefined what old was for me. Because in South Africa, legitimately, 60, you're done. Like, you're getting ready to get checked into a retirement village at 60. And then in Aspen, we watched people in their 90s hiking up a hill. And we're like, I didn't even know that was humanly possible. I can't even hike up that hill. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Those positive influences that will redefine and reshape what we believe is possible. So I want to ask you, 
Where have you stopped believing that God can do the impossible? Do you know that Isaac planted in a famine and in the same year had an abundant harvest? You see, we've stopped believing those things. We stop believing that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or imagine. We're just praying safe prayers that can come to pass. Where are the people who are praying the great prayers that only God can come through on? You hear what I'm saying? Okay, now let me prove this to you quickly in your phone. Write down five of the great pursuits of those around you. Not your pursuits. Write down the five greatest pursuits of those around you that you know. The point that I want to make is for most of us, we're going to struggle to write down five great things that people are doing around us. I'll give you an example. Someone told me the other day they have a, a, a second home. They want to turn it into a foster home. And I think they're going to do it. That is a great pursuit. Right? That's, that's a great pursuit. Somebody wanting to go plant a church somewhere, it's a great pursuit. Someone wanting to start a business, I would put that down as a great pursuit. Because most people around us are doing nothing. Okay. Okay. I'll give you uh, uh, another 30 seconds. Remember people around you, people that you know, that are influencing you. Okay. Who was able to get five? Raise your hand. Okay. You got five? No, five great things of the people you know. Kate, can you read me your five? That are doing those things. Okay, great. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Okay, who wasn't able to get five? Who, okay, Steph, how many did you get? Okay, what's your one? Okay, squirrelito or el squirrel in Spanish. Deanne, what did you write down? Okay, you know people who are doing those things. Wonderful. What else? Yes. Yes. Okay. What's the point that I'm trying to make? If we are hanging around people that aren't inspired, you'll see that these guys will have no problem starting a business because they're surrounded by people starting businesses, so it's normal. Or people who have gone back to work or somebody going back to school when nobody else goes back to school and somebody else does it, then it's much easier for the next person. Suddenly all of these things are happening. Surround yourself with the people where you want to go. 
But don't forget the people that you have to lift up. Otherwise, it just becomes a selfish pursuit of life, and it's no fun. It becomes boring very quickly. You know what makes, what, what makes things wonderful? Friends. Right? It's not the things. We're, uh, uh, see, do you know what a sea bob is? It's one of those things that you hold on in the sea. It's like a handheld jet ski, and it pulls you through the sea. And uh, the first day, Joshy got to do it. He's like, this is the best day I've had in five years. We're like, wow, five years. What happened five years ago? <laughs> but he's so excited about the sea bob, right, that we're busy doing. And he's, he's in there sea bobbing, and, oh, it's the greatest. This, oh, just one. He wants to do it again and again. Then the next day, we're like, are you going to sea bob? And it's, and it's a true story. Next day, uh, he's like, I see bob every day. Well, Actually, you've only seen Bob once, but <laughs> by the last day, he's like, I want to go home. Why? It's so boring here. But what about the sea bob? I'm tired of sea bobbing. <laughs> day one, best thing in five years. But you know what we never get tired of? Is people. Aren't people the most enjoyable uh, part of everything we do? If you've ever bought a new car and you have no friends, to laugh and smile with you, you find out it's very boring. I had that happen. I was so excited to buy a new car in Aspen, bought it, drove down the street. Nobody even looked at me. I was like, what's the point in having this car? <laughs> people are what make it come to life, but you've got to be careful of the people that you are choosing. Okay? Anybody else have something that you think is truly great that you want to share with the group that somebody is doing? From your list that you wrote down. Yes. Okay. Allison's starting an international revival. She's probably going to pull it off too. But that's a great thing. If you get around her, she's speaking about things that sure beats talking about nothing. You hear what I'm saying? Meg's moved into her own apartment, right? I made a lot of money because some people bet that she wouldn't. I bet on Megs, made a fortune. Amen. Well done, Megs. Now, this, these are all sports things. But I just, this is why the countdown has this stuff on for Sandbox. It's not just because it's cool. It's because the whole point of our church was to inspire us to reach further, go bigger, uh, do more with God than what we thought when we first came to this church. And we must not lose sight of that as we are going into homes. Homes mustn't become a, a smallening of our sight. It should be this trampoline to talk about big things and spur one another on. Do you know why cities are far more innovative than, than rural areas? Who knows why? Who knows why cities are far more innovative? All innovations happen in cities, yes. Exactly, because your idea sparks my idea, and my idea is massaged by your idea. And wouldn't that be wonderful? Is that what happens in the church? Spurring one another on to good works. That's what Scripture says. That's exactly what that is. Okay, let's see if this works.
Isn't that awesome? Now, what I want you to catch from that is just people just saying, why can't we do these things and then doing it? Now, what they're not showing you is the 5,000 times that they practiced. Like, dude, perfect. <laughs> dude, perfect should be called dude practice because all of those amazing shots that you see, there was 500 times before where they failed. But your life is worth it. You have one life on this earth, and it's not just about waiting for heaven. Heaven is going to be incredible, but there's a purpose for you here on this earth. And it's not just to endure until we go to heaven. It's to be a, a part of bringing heaven to earth in whatever the capacity is, whether as an employer, whether as a, a starting a business, whether as a foster home, whatever the things are. 
We have to rethink, expand our minds to ask God to show us the stars that he has for us. And it could be different for each person. Always use the example, the real life example of somebody I met who's complete paraplegic. All they can do is they can bite on a straw. And they use that, biting on the straw, to send emails of encouragement out to people every day. It takes them all day to write one email. You know what? That person is accomplishing more than what a lot of us have with all our abilities because they're using everything that they have to do something with. You hear what I'm saying? They're using everything they have, which is just a bite to make a difference in the world. What is your excuse? What is your excuse? What can you do? What is my excuse? What are the lies that I've believed to step back, close in, when God is asking us to be stargazers? Amen? Everybody bow your heads, please. I'm not going to assume that everybody here even knows Jesus, but none of this works without Jesus. A relationship with Jesus is the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life, and that if, if that's you, Scripture says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. It's a belief. It's an it's a, it's a asking of him to be your Savior and your Lord. And you can do that right here today. Say, Jesus, rescue me. Forgive me. I want to be your child. For the rest of you who have known Jesus, ask him to open up your heart and your mind today. Ask him to give you visions as he promised. Ask him to give you dreams. Ask him to guide your path, as Scripture says. Ask him to bring those people into your life and ask him that you will be those people to others in your life. Stop looking at the problems of the world and look at the beauty. Stop looking at what you don't have and look at what you do have and what God can use. Look at what you have going for you and not just what you think you have working against you. God makes all things beautiful if we will put it in his hands and allow his time. But the world needs stargazers. The world needs people to influence, inspire, and ignite hope and dreaming in people again. And you are those agents. Take the risk. Step out. It's worth it. But what if I fail? You're going to fail probably many times. But just because you fail doesn't mean that you won't succeed. Failure is part of everybody's pursuit. Peter failed. Lord, we commit this to you and we thank you for this beautiful body. We thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, as we start 2021, Lord, as we commit to you through fasting and prayer, Lord, I pray at the end of this 2021 that we will have a church full of stargazers with courage to pursue. Lord, eagles who will fly up from the chicken's roost. 
Lord, the innovations, the ideas. Lord, sandbox is yours. Restore us to what greatness looks like in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for speaking to us today. If anyone wants to talk further, please talk with your elders. If you've got ideas, we want to dream with you, right? Have 50 ideas. Maybe 49 of them stink. But keep dreaming nonetheless because one of them is going to be from God. Yes, sir. Yes. After this, uh, we are going to be hanging out with Timon for those who can stay. Uh, there is some food, and uh, it's it's going to be a wonderful time. Okay. Otherwise, we'll be back in our, our church plants uh, next week, and let's get looking at those stars. Amen. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>